Now, I, I heard the uh, uh, story about trying to try to do the count count uh, count up with Matt last week. Yes, he was wrong. <laughs> He's always wrong. If he was right, he wouldn't be Matt Lowe. You're listening to Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. Welcome to episode 190 of the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. I'm back. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my podcast partner in crime, co-host, writer, journalist, owner of the Georgia Virtue, Jessica Salaji. Hey, Dave. Did you listen to last week's show when you were gone? Yeah. What the hell did you do to my show? I made it so good. <laughs> we ran over Should on just... time. We And then the best part about it is that after the show was over, Matt and I spent like another hour reading inmate profiles on dating websites <laughs> for the inmates until like past oh i think it was almost midnight but we we spent a lot of time looking up females from georgia and um and males from georgia but obviously the female profiles are far more intriguing because i mean they're all catfish but it's um it's just interesting to see like how they present themselves in a manner they think that a guy on the outside is going to find them attractive enough to write a letter to. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was interesting. Cause after I listened to the show, I actually looked up that website. I'm like, good God almighty. Yeah. My favorites are the ones where they're like in prison and have posed for their picture with like, making their prison outfit cute, like rolling up the sleeves or like twisting it a certain way. I mean, just whatever. Oh, yeah, man. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's interesting. I, I, I don't get it. I mean, I, I understand on the prisoner side wanting some interaction with the outside and, and uh, having someone to talk to and looking forward, you know, even even being in the military, you uh, you look forward to mail call or used to. Now everybody's got, got email. So communication is a lot, a lot easier. But yeah, mail call was always, always a, a really good day. Uh, but yeah, no, it, you know, it was it was great. It was it was a long string of non sequiturs, which is any conversation with Matt Lowe. Yes, yes. Um, but but no, I, I really appreciate Matt filling in, too. Well, always. I mean, always. But we were talking about whether or not he should come back to the show. He said he's considering it, even if it's like part-time. Because things are kind of... His rich. trouble is time. Yeah. Even on, on our, he, on our uh, outdoor show, uh, Surf and Turf, it's, it's, we knock out a couple shows at a time because this one is not topical. And if, if I actually get him to sit down and get on to, to, to record, it is, okay, let's go ahead and get a couple of these done because, you know, you may not have time next week. Right. Well, we'll see what he ends up doing. But you were somewhere better than we were, so tell us about your week. I was in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Uh, down there for a week, uh, 14 of us. Uh, my parents, two of their friends, uh, my younger brother, his wife, two kids, my sister, her husband, and their two youngest kids. Uh, of course, Connie and I went, uh, fished three days offshore. Every day got better. First day was, was difficult. 
Uh, second day was a little bit better. My 16-year-old niece caught her first uh, Pacific uh, Dorado, which is mahi-mahi, dolphin fish. Uh, but it's just beautiful down there. Uh, I love the people. It's cool to sit at the pool and have a, a flock of macaws hanging out in the tree next to you. Uh, you know, white-faced monkeys. Uh, in the, when I took a, took a walk in the morning, uh, the white-faced monkeys were, were flinging uh, coconuts out of the trees and, and beating them against, uh, against rocks to open them up. Really? Yeah. Is that loud? Uh, not overly. It didn't wake us up or anything. It's just, uh, just kind of cool to see that they were just in the tree raising hell. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, your pictures were uh, amazing. Yeah, and, and more pictures will be coming out. Uh, but yeah, it's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, favorite restaurant down there is El Pelicano. It's right off, right off the resort. I could take my golf cart there. Uh, fa- fantastic food, fantastic service, and just the the people of Costa Rica are very warm. Uh, you know, pura vida, which means the pure life, is their is their slogan. And uh, uh, yeah, had had a great week. Didn't didn't think about about Georgia politics at all. So now now we have to get back to it. How was your week this week? Well, since you've been back, the week has been like crazy, out of control. And uh, I mean, you brought the great Facebook blackout of 2021. I did. I did. I even texted you. Jessica, I know. You okay? <laughs> did you not know there was a Facebook blackout? I, I, I was aware. Yeah, uh, yeah. I pulled Facebook up in the, uh, at one point, and it was down. And I just googled Facebook down, and it, it took to uh, um, whatever whatever it is articles. the down locator. Well, there was like down locator. I looked at it and there's like a hundred thousand people have, uh, had reported. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, it's down. But yeah. yeah, it made it made news. It did. I I didn't know because on Monday I was not at the computer and I happened. It was like one of the few days where I wasn't even posting articles from my phone, which you know we're super reliant on social media to publish content. So I mean, lots of the stuff didn't get posted, but. I kind of didn't even really know about it till like six o'clock and then it was almost over. But, um, well, it was, it was Facebook, Instagram, uh, WhatsApp. Yeah. Is that it? And WhatsApp is, is, I believe that's the, the, uh, the app that's used like out of the country. Yeah. Cause everybody, cause everybody's got a, a WhatsApp and you could text with, if you're getting a cab driver or whatever. I actually, uh, because we were in a condo, had had a local phone. Plus, I have international calling plan. Uh, Can't so hide money. Just... <laughs> 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 no, money's quiet. I'm noisy. Yeah. But yeah, it, uh, uh, it, people were generally upset. Yeah. But then again, but they some didn't have anyone would... to tell. Right. Exactly. How do I, how do I tell people how I'm feeling? How upset. How I will am. I ever? My followers, they'll be lost without my without my input. And again, like I said, I mean, we would be up a creek if social media went down forever. Like, the, we want to have an app so that, but then you still have to condition people to go to the app instead of Facebook. And Facebook is the whole reason that it's so, and Twitter, but the whole reason that it's so um, accessible is because you don't have to get readers to do anything. Like, the content just appears before them, and if they decide they want to read it, which obviously, because the Georgia Virtue has such great content, they want to, you don't have to 
make them take any extra steps. Like every time, every additional step and click is just too much work. So we would be screwed if Facebook went down for good. But I'm not going to have a meltdown over a single day. No, man. People put their phones in their pockets. But, but what really amused me is a Facebook exec took to Twitter to address it. <laughs> yeah. I liked all the um, MySpace memes from Tom. Like, see what happens when you, you know, betray the OG and stuff like that. Yeah. I thought the only problem I had with uh, MySpace was the music playing if you clicked on, clicked on somebody's profile. Facebook allows that, and there are some people who do it, and it, it's not okay. There should be a fine for that. This is not okay. It is yeah, not. Block. Yeah, you know I, what else I don't, don't want to hear. Go. You go. I also hate autoplay. If I, if I click on yes. an article, and it starts playing something in the background, and usually something not even related to the article. It's not like it's playing the, the new story about the article. It's playing something totally different. Or an ad. Yeah. Or an ad, yeah. Well, ads pay for the content. Yeah, I get that. But, like, there are certain sites I won't go to because of how they, I mean, ABC and USA Today are two of the greatest offenders. I can see that. The Sun, every once in a while, I'll see an article, especially about the Patino stuff. They're covering it pretty pretty hard. You click on it, and it's the, the ads you have to scroll past in the middle of the story. Like the next paragraph is, you know, three scrolls down past ads. Yes. And of course, if you interrupt a video I'm watching on YouTube to run your ad, I will never use your product. <laughs> yeah. But if you're I've monetizing your YouTube, a, a, what? Yeah, I know, but, but but I've had it interrupt a music video. It's one thing to put it between videos. Yes, I agree. But if you're, you know, longer songs, like if you listen to Inagata Devita, which is something like 18 minutes, uh, you'll, you'll get right, right into a groove and it'll say, ad starting soon. Like, you son of a Yeah. I say this as we, as we, as we try to monetize our stuff. <laughs> right. Like, it's like if they have an ad in the middle of a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I prefer the way, uh, the way like Rogan does it, where you go ahead and get the ad out of the way. And then do your content. So, A.G. Merrick Garland tells FBI to investigate parents who yell at school officials about critical race theory. Because... This was one I came home to that, that, I, that I was like, what? Well, I mean, the only thing that could make a school board worse is the federal government. Oh, by all means, yeah. Get the feds involved with, with, uh, with local... Uh, school boards want uh, some perturbed parents branded domestic terrorists, Jessica. Yes. Garland sent a memo telling the FBI to coordinate with 14,000 school districts because the National School Board Association, which I'm told is like a spawn of the Antichrist, um, has been pleading about these imminent threats and parents sending threatening letters and cyberbullying school officials. Um, and that is domestic terrorism. And the thing that frustrates me is, sure, like if you send a letter that says, I'm going to kill you because of your position on masks or critical race theory, they say that it's about critical race theory. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't think any school board official is getting death threats over 
critical race theory. Maybe masks. I If they said it was masks, I would believe them. But I don't believe that their lives are being threatened over critical race theory. But anyway. Well, if you some- know, <clears throat> it's already illegal to make terroristic threats. Well, having it, it be a federal offense... Having it be a federal offense or something that the feds coordinate is just going to make it slower. It, you know, this, it is unbelievable to me at, the, at this point, after we tell people, get involved, get involved, get involved, you know, take an interest in your local government. Whoa, don't disagree with us, though. Well, like, I, I think know, it's- If you want to get involved, you suggest Salisbury Steak on Wednesday. You know, don't actually talk about what we're teaching and, and our policies within the school. Yeah. Sorry, Jess. No, I, you know, I just, it's not even, I, like I said, if somebody is actually threatening someone's safety or uh, life or property, that's unacceptable. But, um, you know, I've written articles that officials who like to play the victim have said is bullying because I, I speak out against them. You know, the last thing I want is the federal government defining what it means to be a bully and things that should fall under free speech protections to be something that gets you on some sort of list, whether that's locally by the police department or the FBI. I am sick of the word bully. Sick of it. I'm a damn adult. I cannot be bullied. I have my I have the option to just simply walk away from you. I cannot be bullied. An official, an elected official cannot be bullied. You ran for that job. You spent money to get that job. You wanted it. Well, suggesting and now that you're that getting, a- getting attention, you, you, all of a sudden you're, oh, you're going to hold me accountable? Well, screw that. You're a terrorist. You're a bully. Well, suggesting that an elected official is being bullied because somebody posts opinions that are in opposition or condemns their views um is like one of the most dangerous things i've ever heard of and you know there's been this week on a lot of the national issues i haven't really it's been one of those times where like i just don't know what to say because i'm so frustrated and i'm so irritated with a lot of the the things that are coming out but this i was thinking about it thursday night this story and then also we've talked about a little bit on the show with the 600 dollar bank account um, notification to the IRS and the information sharing like in a little box is that the end of the world no it's it's certainly not but all these little things continue to be proposed because people accept them like people accept it and say well what are we gonna do or you know I I, I don't like that but or- Orwell was off by a few decades Yes. But not much. No, and but I like this is this is being suggested that people who speak out against their local officials, who most of the time are doing an absolutely terrible job, are not transparent at all, and serve at the pleasure of the people and the pleasure of well, in Georgia they actually serve at the pleasure of the governor, which is a whole other. We've talked about that on the show too. But our school boards aren't accountable to Georgia taxpayers and uh, the, parents. The, the state board. No, I'm oh, talking about know, the <clears throat> school, the local boards. Mm-hmm. They have, and I and I've banged on the school board, and, I, and I've got a, I've got a friend whose wife is is on our local school board, but I bang on them 
because they have never done anything to reduce taxes. Well, no, the children always need more money. A kid doesn't need an iPad to, to do math. He needs a book. Math hasn't changed. It just doesn't change. Uh, when was the this? When was zero invented? Was a couple, uh, a couple thousand years ago. The concept of zero. That's the last time math changed. So, the same algebra book that my parents used in the fifties could be could be used today. With, well, except for the graffiti that's that's probably in it. <clears throat> the we're using schools to to feed kids twice a day and proposals for, we talked about before on the show to feed them three times a day in in like city of Atlanta. I don't know when it beca- when education was became so warped and holding these school boards accountable one for the money they're spending two for their policies uh, <clears throat> and three for 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 the for the content of the education is what parents are supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to be involved in your kid's education. No. And as, as a taxpayer, I have a right to be involved. Well, you don't have a kid in school. No, but I pay for yours. So shut up and listen. Yeah, but they, they think that, I mean, there are plenty of teachers and administrators and school board members who think that they know best. A parent is dumb because they've never been in the classroom and they should hush their mouths and, and go along. And I mean... Then the NSBA, the School Board Association's memo, obviously can be read online, but the quote that ticked me off the most was when they said that these acts of malice, violence, and threats against public school officials have increased. The classification of these heinous actions could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes. Hate crimes. So now being a public school official is a protected class. Right. You choose to be a public official. You don't choose to be born a minority. You don't choose to be born gay, in, in, in my belief. Uh, it's not... It's cyberbullying. So if I if I make a meme of the school board wearing clown makeup, I'm a bully. I'll show you bully. I know, I, wonder, I was one. I wonder where a biker <laughs> in a ditch... In front of a Trey Kelly sign would fall. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was he was none too happy about that. I I, I heard that from from others that he was that he he knew <laughs> he knew who was doing it. He was not happy about it. <laughs> He's got bigger fish. To fr- What's amazing to me is with that story. I'm, I'm turning into Matt Lowe here, going a hog tra- hog trail. Uh, what's amazing about that story is the dead biker bicyclist is less of a story than his marital problems. Do you think like his marital problems should be a bigger story or should not be a story? No. no, I'm not saying it shouldn't be a story. I'm saying that the the bicyclist should be the headline, not, oh, by the way, he's being investigated for as, as a, as a uh, oh, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the the... The dead guy trumps uh, cheating on your wife. Well, cheating on your wife is not a story until you use your official capacity to gain access to certain things or it in it gets in the way of your official duties or, you know, she works right. for, I mean, you, 
he made it a news story. It, it wouldn't have been. I mean, that was not his first infidelity situation, and that, those didn't make the news. That is a young guy. He's got a long time to go. <clears throat> unless mm-hmm. unless his wife's uncle gets a hold of him, and then he doesn't have that long to go. Anyway, that's off. <clears throat> that's off subject. Uh, Americans paid seven point six billion in tariffs during August. Yeah, this a is your monthly... weekly reminder that we're coasting on a system of one bird with two wings, and they're just—they're the exact freaking same. Yeah, taxes don't go down; they migrate. Donald Trump did you this. Know, yes, he did. Uh, he hiked tariffs on a wide range of imported goods. Uh, Biden has refused to cut them. Uh, and together, that means they're a two-party effort to make everything more expensive for us. Yeah, the federal government got $7.6 billion in tariffs. We said this was going to happen when, yeah. when it was first discussed. We, we called it. Companies don't pay taxes. They, they pass along the cost to the consumer. You, you have to. You have to, you're obligated to, to make money to stay in business. So you can't take a 10% uh, uh, tax without pass, without increasing the price of the, of the goods. That's just the way it is. So protectionism rarely works. I don't know there's ever worked uh, in, uh, in modern history where we're just going to tax everything that comes in so that you have to buy something domestically. Well, what does that do? That increases prices. Well, the whole yes. argument was that we're going to uh, reduce the trade deficit with doing this, right? Like, that that was Trump's argument. But did it? No. We had the greatest trade deficit in August 2021 than ever before. $73.3 billion, which if you're not like an economics person, a trade deficit is the difference between all of your imports and all of your exports. Right. It, it, look, all the alphabet agencies have made it excessively expensive to produce things in the United States, such as steel, between the EPA, OSHA, uh, and all that stuff. It's it's it, then you then you add in with a lot of the northern manufacturing stuff, uh, legacy costs, uh, cost of, of unions. It's really expensive to 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 run a smelt in the United States. So what do we do? We let China screw up uh, screw up the environment over there. They they work for slave labor rates and even with the tariff it's still cheaper to buy metal from China. We knew this going in. We called it. I mean not kissing our butts here, but we called this when what it was being proposed. So, oh, we we cut your income taxes. Great. But everything you buy is be more expensive. Well, damn it. Well, it's it, only it, going to get worse. They're talking. I mean, there's been talk that Biden's going to hike because you know some of his plans have been America only, like as if it's new. Democrats act like it's new, um, or America first, or however I want to call it. But he's talked about increasing tariffs even more, which between the global supply chain issues and the cost of things and inflation, like that's a great idea. Freaking brilliant. Right. <clears throat> right. I yeah. Everyone geniuses up there. 
No, they know what they're doing. I mean, I don't know that Biden knows what he's doing. I mean, he might have 10 years ago, but I, I have a feeling that he's like, you know, back in, back in the uh, in, in the east wing over there watching Teletubbies or something. Mm-hmm. Did you see that he uh, doesn't even give his briefings from the, from the White House? He goes across the street and uses a TV set to look like the Oval Office. No, where 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 is that? Uh, I, I'll send it to you later. But yeah, he he goes across the street to I think the Eisenhower Center, Truman Center, whatever it is, and there's a mock up of of the Oval Office, and they're saying he uses that because he doesn't have to use clear teleprompters that they have uh, like TV style teleprompters that, that that you see on the news. Uh, well, you don't see on the news because the camera's past it, and yeah. behind him it's always spring in in the garden. Because it's it's a mock-up. Uh, they, they, it got discovered when he got his third jab. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a picture of him getting it, and you can see that the, that he's on a set because because uh, in the far left corner you see where the set ends, and and uh, cameramen are sitting over are standing over there taking pictures. And he just wants the old school teleprompter. I guess, or he doesn't want to be seen using a teleprompter. Now, I don't know that this has been if this if this is normal practice for presidents. I have no idea. You're just reporting what you read. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, exactly. Again, uh, off a, off on a on a tangent. But yeah, the, the trade deficit is not going anywhere. Uh, we don't produce enough in this country. Mostly, what, what do we export here? Corn, you know, agricultural chicken. stuff is chicken. Yeah, we 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 export a lot of ag. You know, we don't we don't do a whole heck of a lot of of producing something and shipping it overseas, which is, again, the the not producing anything here is why you can't get an iPhone 13 uh, until December. Um, but our chicken, we send our chicken to other countries and then they process it and sell it back to us and we buy it. That sounds efficient. <laughs> yeah. We Ugh. do the same thing with copper. Uh, all the recycled copper that that comes in. We take it, uh, stick it on on a ship, goes over to another country, typically China. They turn it back into whatever components we want. In, in the case of of of, of me, of HVAC, it turns it back into copper tubing, and they sell it back to us to go back into your air conditioner because it's it is cheaper to to take the raw material, ship it over there, have them have them recycle it, and ship it back to us as usable product or usable components. Because it is it, it, hellaciously expensive to operate a smelt. So uh, uh, the tariffs were always going to be a tax on the consumer. Yeah. But the fact that the that that's just August alone, that's amazing to me. That's August alone. And speaking of deficits, if we're collecting that much in a single month, how the hell are we running deficits? Could it be because we're spending too much? This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on this show or any respective company for which we, we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. You can also find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. Audit says Georgia Department of Labor spent a million on free meals for employees. Oh, Mark Butler got himself in quite the pickle. 
Yeah, the the a state audit obtained by the AJC found Labor Department employees received a daily free meal beginning in March 2020 and continuing for more than a year, violating state purchasing rules. Until it was discovered this summer. What's that? Uh, thank God. I mean, like, I feel, I feel like this is like the o- one of the only things that's on the book somewhere. Oh, it's, it's a it's an amazing story. Uh, uh, it was discontinued this summer. The pandemic long feast cost taxpayers more than one point one million in state and federal money, much of which was earmarked for unemployment benefits. Huh? Yeah. So how many people? How many people could have gotten their unemployment checks with that one point one million? Uh, a lot, probably a lot. But you know, it's it's to me, it's bigger than that because not only, I mean, our our Department of Labor offices around the state are still closed. The career centers and all the they're still they're still shut down. Um, and this audit, which. You know, we'll get into the who has criticized him and whatnot, but the audit was done by the Department of Administrative Services, so another state agency, um, and they found that it was one point, it was one million one hundred twelve thousand eight hundred two dollars to purchase meals from March twenty twenty to June twenty twenty one, and half of it was about, or half of it was state funds and half was federal funds, and they spent eighty thousand dollars on Chick fil A. Um, well, at least and, they were supporting a Georgia-based company. I guess, but they also <laughs> um, had catered barbecue from Fox Brothers 20 times to a tune of $44,000. But if you remember Fox Brothers, there was a story we talked about a couple weeks ago. Do you remember? Um, and it was with Fox Brothers barbecue? Not off the top of my head, no. What was the story? It was a story about um, the inspector general did the investigation um and they found that there was an abuse of it was at the department of well Radio. yeah it's because fox brothers is right right downtown okay but uh, uh well i'm saying that that's why it would be fox brothers yeah but department of revenue is the one that they also and they with all their fitbit um expenditures they also got fox brothers dining uh Nice. Costs uh, often, yeah, often ran over. There is no bad press. Ran over the allowable daily limit for employee lunches, and sometimes included sales tax, which the state is not required to pay. Because it's just shuffling I, funds. I, right. Yeah. Look, the I think the daily allowance for uh, for per diem for a lunch is nine dollars. Yep. Uh, that's not hard to. Especially if you're, if you're catering lunch for an office, it's not hard to stay under nine dollars a person. No, you can get like but decent it, quality food for that. And also, my question is, why the hell are we catering their lunch? Bring your own lunch. Yeah. Well, exactly. the The per diem would be if you go somewhere. If someone is, yeah, if someone's going to go somewhere and don't does not have the opportunity to to get to get lunch that that the the allotment for lunch would be nine dollars yes uh, and it's not one it's in not six a, go ahead what's that no one in six of the meals was over the nine dollar limit 
they they felt they had carte blanche because it was an emergency because it was an emergency all the drive obviously the restaurants were open obviously now is this the dol employees working through lunch and they're providing a form which on occasion wouldn't bother me. I did it. Uh, I do it every once in a while with my guys. I did it when I was a, a branch manager, when I was in banking, that if I needed the folks to work through lunch, I'd go ahead and buy lunch and they can they could eat well, at their desks. Government employees don't work through lunch. You know this. I know that. I, that's, I, I'd say that the, the, the theoretical, if they were just so swamped that they're at their desk constantly, and they were swamped. I mean, they processed more claims in that period in in 2020 in the from March to December. They processed more claims that year than the entire history of the Department of Labor combined. So, they were right. very busy. But Mark Butler argued that this was to keep people from getting sick, going out, having additional interaction, which we weren't having at that time. I mean, it was curbside and and drive-through, but it didn't stop anything. The Department of Labor had 180 positive cases, had 94 different shutdowns of their offices and divisions, and 14 hospitalization of staff people, and nine people still died. Like, I'm that's super sad too, and that seems like a lot of people. But because it's not, we're not just talking about their downtown office. This is across the state, but um, it obviously is not something you can just prevent. So you spend a 1.1 million dollars. To have likely the same result that you would have had you not. That, that's not even the point. I mean, the, the, the point that you hit on was nobody was going and sitting down in restaurants. Everything was drive through. Everything was contactless. Everything was uh, curbside. Uh, there, there, there was no going and sitting down in a deli and having a sandwich. It was pulling up to, to in front of the deli, having them uh, hand you the bag. The same thing that was happening when, when Chick-fil-A would deliver the lunch or somebody would go and pick up pick up the lunches from Chick-fil-A. You're having the same interaction. And since you're and going back to the same office. You don't have to buy their lunch. Right. You're I expected to feed yourself. For a year. Yeah, yeah. This is not this is not Thanksgiving lunch, uh, a celebration in the office. This is not the the Christmas the Christmas lunch that, that you know you typically do in an office. Even when I was in office, uh, we'd get certain money to do maybe a Christmas party or something. But uh, the the corporate masters wouldn't wouldn't do that. So we would do a potluck. Every employee would bring something. I was yeah. Yeah, when I was a single guy working at banking, my job was always either drinks or rolls. Mm-hmm. Something you couldn't ruin. Exactly. Uh, the IG uh, called the practice wasteful. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Uh, Auditors at the. Uh, go ahead. No, he. I was just going to say he. He said it was a waste of taxpayer money, and he criticized it because this is. We skipped over this part with the audit findings, but there were not receipts for a lot of it, like. Under Georgia law, it is required that you buy something with a P card, you take a, you make you keep that receipt and you make a copy of it, and there's like this long procedure it has to be submitted. They didn't have receipts for much of this. Well, it's because of COVID. You know, oh, they, they don't they have paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The paper was was very, very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the copiers caught COVID. 
Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't matter whether it's a state agency or, or private business. You have to keep. If, if you use the corporate card, you keep the receipt. If you want to be reimbursed, it, or if yes, yeah, so, so you can. So you can at the end of the month or whenever you do your do your expense rec- report, uh, you you take copies of that and you keep obviously keep a copy for yourself because it, no matter what organization you're with, state or private, things get lost. And then they'll come back to you saying you never sent it. So you always keep receipts of, or keep copies of everything you send in. Uh, I think it's probably even easier now that you can scan stuff and email it. You know, the last time I, I did a, had to do expense report, uh, it was all, you know, typed out or handwritten on a form and you stapled receipts to it and copies and, and stuck it in the inner office mail. But they knew the procedure. They knew it. They knew they were taking advantage. Well, they didn't think they were taking advantage because Mark Butler has completely defended this like to the hilt and said that Alex Atwood, who is over the Department of Administrative Services, and if his name sounds familiar, it's because um, he is the he was a state representative and then he was appointed as a judge down in Glynn County. And then he is the uh, guy who gave Corey Sasser the bond before he went out and killed his ex-wife, her new boyfriend and himself anyway he said he mark said alex said it was okay and i mean that's literally his he said i was told it was all right (laughs) your constitutional officer as the department of labor commissioner cover your own ass because no one else is going to that's what they do best uh but he's not covering that's not an it, that's not he's not covering his own ass though because saying someone else said I could someone who's o- who's appointed to serve over an agency and you're a duly elected constitutional officer with certain responsibilities and certain you're accountable to the taxpayers not the governor you better know the law and and he's up for re-election like I haven't I never understood why he was running at all again with the people who are you know I don't like any of the people who are running against him right now but I don't like him either, so surprise. Um, but I, I really don't understand why he's running now. Like, of course, true to form, this story isn't really getting much traction because it's not, it's not sexy and it's not a scandal to some people. They, they want, you know, having relations with a lobbyist in the speaker's office or something. But uh, yeah, 1. exactly, one million dollars. Yeah, and it should be a story. It should be a campaign issue. Oh, I have no doubt they'll make it a campaign issue. I feel. Uh, Yeah, I can see the commercials now. There's no free lunch. Unless you work at the Department of Labor. The the nuts and and bolts of the story. and, And they included gratuity on some of these orders. Well, and then, so the inspector general right now is Scott McAfee. He's, um a former prosecutor, and he said that they purchase meals for every office across the state, which includes 41 of them, with no distinction based on the location of the office or the rule or role, age, health, or condition of any particular employee. Um, and they said that they could not even, like the DOL had no support for the expenditures to show that it had increased productivity. Of course it doesn't. It, would, it, it creates a dependency. Uh, what time's lunch getting here? What time's lunch getting here? 
because now, now we know I don't, I don't have to bring my lunch. I don't have to go out. I don't have to, you know, it's just going to come to me. And they're still taking their hour lunch break or whatever they have. And then some coffee break and, and uh, uh, other, you know, sitting around the water cooler and BSing. It's, no, it didn't increase uh, productivity. Nothing does uh, with, with government offices, like you, like you said. They had a hell of a workload, but it, that's just the nature of they got more done because they had more to do. Was because they become they somehow became more productive. The way they became more productive and, and processed more claims was they looked at few of fewer of them, and we had tons of fraud. Well, and I mean, prior to the pandemic, they weren't processing claims every minute of every day. <laughs> they, right. I mean, they they weren't that busy, but they said. Um, the, the inspector general's review of it also said by offering to purchase meals, DOL removed any incentive for individual employees to prepare and pack their own meal, a practice that is generally more cost effective and efficient when compared to retail purchases. No kidding. Really? I mean, yeah. A uh, 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 peanut butter and jelly and a, and a little bag of chips is cheaper than going to Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. or Fox Brothers for that matter. Yeah. It also takes yeah, less time. Yeah, to, re- to, to reach to a brown bag and pull out a sandwich and eat it. Mm-hmm. And prepare your plate right. and then go sit and talk to everybody and ask if anybody has any ketchup. Or I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous that they bought lunch for people outside of... And like I said, the offices have been closed <laughs> around the state to the public. Like, they're not serving the public. They're, they're getting sued in federal court because of the way that they've handled unemployment claims. They had, to, they had to create a portal for lawmakers on both sides of the aisle to review what they've done. They almost, the Department of Labor didn't properly document some other financial stuff with regard to the federal funds that we got and almost cost the state our, our bond rating, our AAA bond rating. Like, You've done all of these things, but you got one point one million dollars in lunches. Cool. Yeah, well, they couldn't. They couldn't uh, keep up with with all the federal money because you know those waffle fries are only good while they're hot. Mm-hmm. So if they sit in the break room too long, they get cold and mushy. And you know, you know, who wants that? I mean, a you know, regular Chick Fil A sandwich is fine if it, if it gets a little cold, but the, the fries they're only they're only at their peak uh, perfection for a short period of time when they're nice and crispy and still hot. So you've got to stop what you're doing because you saw the Chick-fil-A driver show up with, with the giant bags of food and uh, you got to go now and, and everything has got to stop in the office because you really don't want it to go to waste. This country's so screwed. <laughs> Fat man analysis. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now I'm hungry. So, <laughs> for Chick-fil-A? Mm-hmm. Uh, after, actually, after uh, uh, hearing about this story, I ordered Chick-fil-A last night. Uh, faculty job security is the latest fight for professors on Georgia campuses. Have you it, been following It may this? be the professors. No, I haven't. The professors against the Board of Regents. So this week, the Board of Regents is going to consider amending how tenure is maintained. And if, you know, we've all heard the word tenure, but like the easiest way to explain it, if you just know what it know the word but don't know what it means is basically like the universities colleges give it to professors to 
after a certain amount of time and an accomplishment in their time at the university and it keeps them from being able to get fired unless there's some sort of extreme circumstance or um, massive cause. And then the upside is that it's supposed to promote academic freedom by allowing professors to pursue controversy or controversial research and things like that. I totally agree with the old concept of tenure. Like I, I do believe that it was rooted in research. Now it seems like a lot of the conversation about tenure is more about the way teachers teach and the content that they teach and the way and the opinions that they hold. And and I'm not saying that that shouldn't be part of it, but it really tenure was created to spur edgy research. Yeah, but I don't like tenure. You don't know what and, and no other facet of life. Do you do you get tenure? You earn the benefit of the doubt if you work for somebody else. But if, if you're not producing in any other facet, you're going to be gone. Well, what does it mean to produce in a university system? Because arguably, when you don't have tenure, you've got to pass more students. And when you do have tenure, you can fail them with less repercussion because you're protected and it doesn't necessarily reflect on you. And so teachers pass students who shouldn't necessarily be passed. So if, if you if you, you want to look for the teachers without tenure. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so the university system, I guess last year, they created a working panel to kind of evaluate the tenure process. And they said that the changes that they're going to recommend are to support career development and ensure accountability and that there's strong performance from faculty after they've achieved tenure. So right now, as it stands, a university decides who gets tenure, when they get it, um, and then if they're if they perform poorly or something happens or there's a complaint, they go before a board, which is faculty, not necessarily in their department, but it's all faculty and um, college administrators, and there's witnesses and evidence, and it's like a full tribunal type thing, hearing all that, and uh, they make a decision. But under this, the proposal by the Board of Regents is if somebody, if an institution is considered to be insufficiently rigorous with the way they review faculty, the Board of Regents could take over the process. Um, and while tenure reviews, because your professors are reviewed on occasion, even when they have tenure, but if a tenured professor gets um, a poor review, they would be placed on a performance plan. And if they don't make any progress on that performance plan, they would receive remedial action, like a salary reduction, loss of tenure, suspension of pay, or even get fired. And then there would be an annual review. um, And if they got low scores on that, they would be placed on a remediation plan. um, And if they don't complete the remediation plan, then they would get an automatic review by a higher panel. I don't I don't necessarily I've never worked under either one of these practices. So, you know, there's certainly some things I don't know and probably can't consider. But the Board of Regents is an unelected, unaccountable, out of control piece of organization that is appointed by the governor and is extremely political and they make bad decisions in the interest of themselves and the higher ups. And I just can't 
I think that higher education is messed up enough that this, I, I'm honestly on the side of the professors here. I think this is a terrible idea. Well, when has getting bigger government involved ever helped? I mean, we, we, we talked about it earlier in the show. I mean, yeah, the federal government getting involved in education, that, that'll fix it. Uh, right. Man. Well, the Board of Regents isn't, is, you know, their job is to oversee universities, but what they're going to end up doing is handpicking. So what they're going to say is certain institutions are more liberal or conservative than others. And who, depending on who is in office and who has appointed this board of regents, they're going to pluck and punish professors who don't align with their political views. And that is absolutely terrible. Like you should have, I mean, the best teachers don't let you know what their views are. Those are the best teachers. I don't care what anybody says. You don't know what their political leanings are, or you think you do, and then they throw something at you, and you're like, huh, well, maybe I don't know. And I say that as a political science major who got kicked out of graduate classes because of political views. The the best teachers are the ones that don't tell you. But you, when you put the Board of Regents over it, and they're a political body po- appointed by a political person in a cancel culture era... This is a recipe for disaster. Well, when Stacey Abrams or one of her uh, one of her minions is sitting in the governor's mansion, everybody's opinion is going to change on this. Oh no, they're going after they're going after conservative professors, if there are any. Uh, there are. No, no, you got you got a very good point on it. You, you got a very good point. I think the, the there's room to change the tenure system. But handing it off to, like you said, an uh, unelected, unaccountable board is problematic. And it, it's, a, it's a power grab. So, no, we're going to take over University of Georgia, uh, the tenure program, because you guys aren't, aren't applying the rules properly. Or we're going to take over Kennesaw State. Or we're going to take over uh, Georgia Southern. Because we don't, we don't like, the, uh, like the way you're handling it. So I, I don't know, man. The, the nice thing about college is it is, a, it is a free market in that if a student doesn't like the experience they're having, they can go somewhere else. Well, that's exactly what I was about to say was this is a voluntary thing. Sure, it's funded with our tax dollars. And do I think that, you know, do I think that teachers should just be teaching whatever they want, even if it's wrong? No. But as a consumer, you have an obligation to choose to go there or go somewhere else and then and know what you're getting into and, and do research. Yeah, the the idea of being you can have whatever opinion you want, if I'm talking about the students, if you can back it up. And that's that's promoting thought over over obedience. Well, tell me why big government's wrong, not, or tell me why we should be hand, uh, uh, social programs should be increased. Tell me why, and no matter what the what the end result is, if you can back up your your opinion and you can back up your stance, that's a person you pass, regardless of what where you feel, uh, what you think politically, as the professor. Yeah, that that's the whole idea is not to be turning out robots. And not turning it into a uh, a liberal factory, it's it's to be turning out productive members of society capable of independent thought. 
Yeah. And I think we should be more concerned with the actual degrees and subject matter we're offering as opposed to the people who are teaching them because it doesn't matter who's teaching something if the degree itself is worthless in the real world. Who gives? Yeah, your liberal arts degree, uh, that kind of stuff. Well, now look, if, if you've got sp- if you got someone teaching engineering and he's going into politics, all right, yeah, we need to we need to pull that professor aside. Say your job is to teach engineering, not social science. Well, I just or accounting you know, or any other any other uh, science based degree. Sorry. No, the the tech. Nickel College System of Georgia has made a concerted effort to not only like reform what they offer, but offer incentives for jobs that we need, like welding. You know, you you can get a reduced tuition for to get a welding license or a plumbing license because for so long we had a shortage in Georgia. Whether you agree with that or not, at least at least there was a purpose behind some of the programs they were pushing. The university oh, yeah. system is not cannot say that they're not results driven. You know, the tech system has recently started doing like certain um, programming things and and like certifications that are whether you're certified in anything else or not. Like you can go get one and go work or do contract work for certain things because there's a need for that type of coding. And I just it's results driven. Like what does the market need? The tech system is responding. The university system is expecting the world to adapt to it based on what it's offering. And that's unreasonable to me. But the Board of Regents, our politicians, and largely a lot of the higher ups at universities, not necessarily professors, are unconcerned with it. Well, it doesn't affect them. Well, it that, doesn't affect uh, the people in charge of the tech system, but they're doing something productive with it. They are. And look, there there are other programs uh, that are results-driven, uh, and I don't know if they're still going on, but at LSU, uh, geology, because uh, Louisiana produces a, a lot of oil, a lot of offshore. Offsh- offshore companies, you get a free ride. If you qualify to get into that program, mm-hmm. there are, this, of course, is private sector, but the, the you know, Shell or whoever else is drilling out there will pay for your school and guarantee you a job when you get out. You know that's that's what we need to be seeing. You know these these worthless degrees that that you're coming out with to to go work in a grocery store. One, it's a huge waste of money, and and, and ends up being a waste of government money, not just the students. But that's that's well, they're not that's, paying their loans it, back either. Yeah, now if they can help it. So, speaking of all the mess with the uh, Board of Regents, Jessica, what did you see? What did we hear about a former regent? Uh, Dean Alford, which I'm pretty sure we talked about him when um, he was arrested or indicted. Or I mean, he's got a mugshot, which is I love mugshots these days for anybody in power. But um, he got eight years for racketeering. Um, in Rockdale County, you know, in 2019, he was arrested for um, basically like doing this. He had a private company and he was contracting the private company with um, Georgia universities and, and streamlining the financial 
transactions so that he could get all this revenue to his private entity. They gave him eight years. He's 68. 68, and he just got eight years. Like, and that's prison. eight to serve. Right. That's, that's, could be the rest of his life. His but prison's not kind for old guys. No, but it's also um, Rockdale County, and he's a white man, so they probably took it as an opportunity to teach him a lesson. But um, it w- he was the one that did, it's called factoring. So he would sell some of his accounts to a third party to discount. And he obtained like $1.7 million by selling fake accounts through his company to the contracts of, and he used, he forged signatures of state employees um, and then used his position as a regent to further the scheme. And um, I guess the yeah, forgery is a big one. Yeah. The Florida Department of Law also assisted. I'm not really sure why. I don't know if he like tried to incorporate the Florida Department or Florida University system too, but um, after his eight years to serve, he'll get seven years on probation and he's not allowed to conduct any business with the state. But I didn't, in any of the articles that I saw, I didn't see anything about restitution, which really grinds my gears. Well, he's not going to be able to make restitution making a dollar twenty a day in the laundry. I lied. So he was. This was obviously in October because we're in October now. But in April, he was ordered to pay ten point eight million dollars. Ten point eight million dollars. Yeah. Well, he's never going to pay that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's going to die. Yeah, it'll be seventy six. Uh, <laughs> getting getting out of prison. Yeah, and not going to be making a job. That's going to work him. for the state. Yeah. Yeah, can't work for the state. Can't sell anything to the state. And now he's a convicted felon. So again, bagging groceries as a tired old man or a greeter at Walmart. He's not that that to, uh, unless they can get his life insurance. <laughs> Jessica, as we come to as as we come to the end of it, uh, as I'm looking at the clock. Do you have any closing thoughts? No. <laughs> you left it all out on the field, huh? Yes. Uh, like and share the show on social media. Uh, write write reviews. Uh, if you like what you heard, share it with your friends. If you don't like what you heard, inflict it on your friends. Uh, also check out my show with Matt Lowe. It's called Surf and Turf. It is totally apolitical. Talk fishing and hunting and the ancillary things around fishing and hunting upcoming show uh, in a couple days drops on wednesday we talk a little bit about my trip to costa rica and fishing and then matt's gonna be on a bear hunt and hopefully we'll have some results from that so for jessica salaji my co-host for eric cumby our editor i'm dave roberts have a great week